Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Thursday, July 27th. In the year 2023, this is your host, Mike Abadir, of course, alongside the man himself, Pop DiBiase, and a lot to talk about today, a lot of MLB stuff as we wind down the month of July, a lot of change, I guess you could say, at the top of the standings in the American League East that we got a hit on, a lot of NFL news too. We were just talking off the air about Justin Herbert's big deal, and we'll get into that in a moment. He has the largest deal probably until, I don't know, a couple days from now, Pop, when uh, Joe Burrow gets his deal. Knock on wood, let's hope he's not majorly hurt because today he had to be carted off the practice field. I don't know if you saw that or not, Pop. A couple hours ago, Joe Burrow uh, suffered a non-contact injury and uh, he was hobbling around quite a bit and then went to the ground, had to get carted off in practice. Did you get a chance to uh, catch wind of that? Yeah, I saw it. It just looked like a pool to me, and they said it's going to be a calf strain. So I would say that he's probably going to be done for the next three weeks. Yeah, those things are, are tricky, too, because yep. uh, you don't want to go in, like, a couple days too early. You know, mm-hmm. that could throw off the first few games of the season. You know what I mean? Like, you almost are better off go you know coming into a game one week too late than one week too early right you know it's not like one of those things that you take lightly you know it's not one of those things that's gonna like ruin his career or anything but it's gonna mess up his uh you know his his healing and his ability to perform so uh but uh if, if that's all it is which reports are that is all it is he should be uh, the highest paid contract uh, as soon as the ink, you know, negotiate ink the next deal. I think he's worthy. I would yeah. take Joe Burrow over over Justin Herbert any day. It's not even well, works for me. I got you, but you know, Burrow is blessed with three of the three of the better receivers that you can have. But there really isn't any comparison because. At the end of the day, uh, you would say possibly say that um, Herbert's dealing with one of the better wide receiver duos in the league as well, too. So, you know, I know a lot of people would love to take Burrow over Herbert because, you know, Burrow is just a straight gamer, but I just feel like it's 1A and 1B, to be honest with you. And I think that Burrow's deal might – I don't. I know Burrow is probably getting his deal worked out and everything like that, but I thought that they possibly might need to – to make his deal more friendly towards their cap so they can keep these key players with him. You know what I mean? Because I don't know if Joe Burrow has has the skills to, you know, turn a undrafted free agent into a pro ball receiver, but I think Herbert does because he's brought in – they've had a few guys that were camp guys that made the team, and they actually looked pretty good during the regular season. And that's how I like to grade quarterbacks a lot – 
on how they can be really effective. Sometimes quarterbacks are valeted by great receivers. But I know that the Burrow-Herbert situation, it feels like they're more of a rivalry than anybody. I know they want to say Mahomes is and blah, 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 blah. But I think that her, I think Herbert and Burrow have some great games against each other that um, happen in the future, to be honest with you. You know, and I know Josh Allen is considered and things like that, but I think that this year is going to be a regression year for Josh Allen because when your wide receivers coming out, making it an issue about getting him the damn ball and all this other extra stuff, we got a little bit of an, uh, of a, a problem here after we had such a carefree, loving bunch. It just never felt right after the DeMar Hamlin situation. And, um, you know, there's just a lot of things going on in the NFL right now. But I would say the Burrow situation is something that you, you got to take very seriously. But you don't want to over over – intensify it because you don't want to get anybody nervous right now because the sole purpose is getting him to the regular season. All we're doing right now is helping rookies figure out the playbook. He knows what the playbook's all about, and his teammates that are going to be starting know what the playbook's all about. This is all just repetition so you can get yourself prepared for the season. But sometimes coaches like when a guy might when, when one of their stars might have one of these freaky injuries that won't affect them during the season, but then they can go ahead and have an excuse not to play them in the preseason. Yeah. Well, a couple things here. First of all, when we're talking about Burrow versus Herbert, which we really haven't like delved into that much. Uh, I just made a quick allu- uh, alluding to the fact that I think he's going to get a bigger contract mainly because whoever was to go second was going to get the bigger contract. That's typically the way it goes. I Here's the thing about Burrow to me. He didn't get any playing time, any real playing time at Ohio State. He went into LSU as an unheard of ball player, nationally speaking. He exploded in those 12 or 13 games and made the best of them. And he hasn't, and, and he came into the NFL, made a splash, but then got hurt for a year. So, really, if you think about it, he's only been a starting quarterback between since high school, what, like three or four years? My point is, I think he's got to keep getting better and better and better. I, I, I don't think that he, uh, we've seen the max of his abilities. I think we've probably seen the max of Herbert's abilities and his max is really good, but I'm not sure that we're necessarily going to see like a whole lot of improvement per se. If anything, we'll probably see a regression, right? Because the more hits you take as a quarterback who's swift footed, uh, the more that that part of your game ends up suffering with longevity. So that's kind of my twit, my take on the, the distinction between those two guys. In terms of the Joe Burrow deal and the salary cap, which you bring up, let me tell you something. It's There's something in the NFL that doesn't happen very often. But when it does, it's special as heck. And what I'm talking about is Aikman... Irvin and Emmett 
and Novacek, and I could keep going on and on, uh, Moose Johnson, but especially the big three, coming into the league all around the same time, like within a year of each other. It's really, really rare that you get like a franchise quarterback, top-notch receiver, top-notch running back. In the Cowboys' case, you could keep going, you know, fullback, tight end, etc. And the Bengals have that, where you have guys that have come in right around the same time period, him and Jamar Chase. In fact, him and Jamar Chase came from the last stop together as well. You have Mixon, who's a little bit older. But my, my point is, Pop, when you have that type of situation, you know, there's going to be parallel contracts between uh, all of the players. You know, they all come into the league around the same time. They all get extensions right around the same time. And they uh, and it's very different than, like, an Aaron Rodgers, who didn't have Devontae Adams for 90% of his career, and then he gets Devontae Adams for the last few seasons, right? They, they didn't come into the league together, so there's a short window where you can take advantage. These guys are going to be together in Cincinnati for a long time. And I think that's really special. And I think that because of that, Burrow will sign a mega deal. And then when they need to come back to him to restructure it so that they could sign other guys and to keep winning, he'll probably accommodate that because he's a winner and he doesn't want to lose any games. So if he could, if he, he knows if he could sacrifice a little bit of money and do what Peyton Manning did, do what Tom Brady did, do what plenty of other quarterbacks have done, I think he would do it without a second thought. So that's kind of my thought on it, Pop. But it's, man, to me, like I said, having watched and assessed football for a long time and been in the game, it is just really special when you could have like the the big three grow together and win together in the National Football League because it's really rare that it happens. Yeah, but, you know, let's not oversell Cincinnati. You know what I mean? This is still Cincinnati, bro, and they ain't no rich team. So I, um, they, they got a lot of decisions to truly, truly make at the end of the day. But the Chargers are in the same boat, you know, you look at it and you say, damn, if they were in Miami, it would be different. If you're in Denver, it would be different. But these guys really got to show up and keep showing up because eventually they're going to put them on that island by themselves, both of them. And then that's when you'll see who the better quarterback is with the two because literally they're carrying – both of them are carrying their coaches. And the funniest part about both of their coaches are this – they're all kind of from that young tree of coaches, you know, with McVay. Isn't uh, Cincinnati's coach a McVay guy? And yep, uh, yep. Yeah, they, he's, he's, he's a McVay disciple, yep. Yep, and it's funny that the McVay and really these guys break off from the school of John Gruden. So it once again is it's, it's guys being carried by talent. Are they really good coaches? That's the biggest question that I have for – for those guys. And I know that these teams are entrusting in them that they can build teams. That's why guys like Mike Tomlin never get fired because they know how to build teams. They know how to get every, they know how to put the player. They, they're not going to let the computer pick the players for them. You know what I mean? It's just like, if you get on fantasy football and then you auto set, it, 
You know what I mean? Go ahead and you you make the picks for me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then I'll, I'll just rock with it. But when you got great coaches like Tomlin and Andy Reid and um, what's another one that comes to mind that's been in the league for a pretty long time? Harbaugh. These guys know how to build teams from the bottom up, man. And they know how to get a great 53rd guy to their first guy on the roster where they got 53 solid players. You know what I mean? Not not 40 and 13 guys just because they out they won 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 the job here for the third string running back position. No. They got guys they can depend on. So if somebody gets hurt, they got somebody that can easily fill into that spot. You can't say the same thing about the Chargers. You can't say the same thing about the Bengals. You can't say the same thing about teams like uh, the Dolphins at this point right now either. So that's why it's like, you know, the Steelers can lose their quarterback and still be in the uh, running to make the playoffs. That's mm-hmm. what the differences are in team and coaches like Tomlin and coaches like Staley. You need – these superior, these superb players to put you in position to be a winner. Mike Tomlin can go get a backup quarterback that's been on five teams, and the guy will figure out a way to win for him. Same thing goes for Harbaugh. He can go get himself a, a undrafted uh, Pac-12 quarterback, and that guy can f- figure out a way to win four or five games on his own. Mm-hmm. And, you know, take care of your business against bad teams. Defense says, hey, I got your back. Don't worry about nothing. But see, teams like the 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 Bengals, they really do have to have their full unit there. But they're getting to the point to where they're pretty deep and things of that nature as well, too. I always feel like, and I know this might not go over well with pe- people listening, but old Coach Marv was an excellent coach, man. And some days I look up, I say, why did Cincinnati need to fire him? The guy was awesome. There was nothing wrong with Coach Mark. You know what I mean? Hey, Cincinnati, you know who you are. You're not a perennial Super Bowl favorite. Dude, he brought consistency to the team. Yeah, I went to the playoffs, what, seven, eight times in his tenure. And and it's crazy because they went to the Super Bowl twice, and that coach that took them to the Super Bowl twice didn't even take them to the playoffs as many times as uh, Marv did. So that that just goes to show you the mentality of some of these teams at the end of the day is that they got to know exactly who they are. And I feel like if you would have gave Coach Marv somebody like Joe Burrow and the unit that he has now, that team would have been in the Super Bowl last year. Mm-hmm. Think because they didn't make the Super Bowl because their coach is an analytical person. He's not really coaching them. He's coaching on autopilot. And that's where they're that's where guys like Andy Reid, um, Tomlin, Bill Belichick, this is where these guys keep being the masters of the AFC because they know how to do gut decisions. These coaches will get fired if they make gut decisions. Because they don't know how to. And it's pretty sad because these guys were coordinators before, too. And you would think that they had some type of uh, freedom to actually put together feasible plays. But they don't because everything is uh, is very um, is very. um, What do I want to say? Things are very 
it's like a dictatorship with the coach. The coach is going to have the final say on everything. And really, the computer man with majority of these teams is going to have the final say on everything. So literally, you got coaches and assistants who are just walking around being robots. And this is why a lot of the NFL is stagnant. And we only got really like 15, 16 teams we can look at every week and say, damn, those are some really good teams, man. And then you look at the rest of them and it's like, okay, they're just they're just trying to figure out that time when they're going to get those players that put them in a playoff position for a year or two. <laughs> and it's just it, it, it is just a rinse and repeat situation with the NFL. But I will say this year, the NFL has a lot of parity. And when I look at every single roster, you can tell every Sunday is going to be tough for any team that steps on the field, even the bad teams and the great teams. They're going to all have to really earn it this season. I don't see anybody really running away with, you know, with a like, 15 and two record or something of that nature or 14 and three this year. I don't see any of that, Mike. No, I don't either, man. But Hey, one thing I want to know is who's the computer, man. Oh, the analytics, the guy, the guy. The analytics. That, yeah. All right. Yeah. That makes sense. The numbers guys, the numbers guy, the guy that sits next to the GM. And if you cuss him out, you get fired. His, <laughs> The GM trusts this person because the GM is is so busy looking at the payroll. And since you guys want to micromanage the money so badly now, this is where, what we've came to. You can't make gut decisions anymore because now you want to run a corporation and not a football team. Right. You should have just said the math nerds. Well, you know, I can't call them the computer guy. Why, why, yeah, yeah, they're computer guy too. They're computer guy. They're, they're, spread, they're the spreadsheet guy, they're the computer guy, they're the math nerd, they're all the above. They all think that they played the game before, too, you know, going in the backyard and throwing a ball to their dad, you know? Wiffle ball? Wiffle, you know, Madden, you know, Madden 94, Blockbuster uh, video <laughs> champ. You know, that's right. a, you know that's man because they know how to, to to simulate a Madden season and then give you the numbers man you know? especially when it comes to baseball I'm always going to believe in a manager's intuition I'm sorry but he knows situations they've seen them a million times Dusty Baker seen everything in the game he knows when to bring in this guy from the bullpen or when to send up a pinch hitter or when to give a sign for a hit and run or a pitch out. I don't need somebody upstairs dictating that shit. That's, to me, that's, you're taking, it's not even like, oh, you're taking the human element out of the game. No, it's you're taking the experience and wisdom out of the game. When you have a spreadsheet control what you do and a calculator, right? You're taking wisdom, experience, years and years and years of learning the game out of the mix. Pop, out of my years of experience and wisdom, I know that I'm a minute over on taking a quick time out. Let's do so. We'll come back. We'll talk more NFL, talk more MLB, break down the trade deadline possibilities, and much, much more. Stay with us, everyone. We'll be back right after this. 
Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. So the big news that everybody was awaiting was where is Shohei Atani going to be traded to? Uh, it's been a subject of much discussion. Probably the biggest anticipation since where is Aaron Judge going to sign this past offseason? Well, we come to find out early evening yesterday that the Angels, because they're on a little bit of a winning streak and they're playing some good baseball right now, and they anticipate getting Mike Trout back in the uh, next like uh, 10 days or so, that they've decided not to trade Shohei Otani. Now, before I'm going to get your take on whether that's a smart move or not, Pop, today, he was historic. I mean, that's really all I can come up with without spending an hour saying how impressed I am with the guy. The guy... Pitched a shutout, a one-hitter, and went yard twice, Pop. I'm going to repeat that. A one-hit shutout in the major leagues and two home runs in the major leagues on the same day, on the same field. The guy leads... 
baseball with 38 home runs. The guy put out a show after he found out what his fate for the next two months is going to be, which is he's going to stand pat in Anaheim and Los Angeles and not go anywhere. Did the Angels mess up their future, or was this the right move? No, the Angels did exactly what, what they needed to do. And I talked about that on my show earlier today, that the Angels going all in on saying, you know what, let's go get Lucas Giolito so we can go get us another pitcher, possibly, uh, you know, make sure that we can give Shohei a little bit of time off uh, with his arm as well, too, as we make this push towards the, um, you know, having everyday batting at some point, you know, and take about a week off of pitching. But they needed Giolito back because their pitching staff has been decent this year. But they needed another guy outside of their best hitter not named Mike Trout. So they went ahead and they got Giolito to be the de facto ace in this situation. And what he can do is he can bring some stability to a pitching staff that needs it badly. So they're four games out. And literally what they said to themselves was this. We want to show Shohei that we're serious about winning. And we're not going to trade you because we want you here. We're not going to give in to what the media wants. We're not going to give in to what the fans want. We're not going to give in to what everybody wants us to do. They want us to quit on this situation and send you off to the highest bidder. Well, we did not bring you here to do that. What they're trying to do is show him that, you know what, we will outbid anybody for you once we get to uh, free agency next year. So we're not trading you right now because we're trying to win right now with you. And we know that you have the, the 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 option to not return to us. But if we show you that we're trying to win, then you might have a change of heart. Because Shotani has never came out and said, I'm going to the I'm leaving the Angels. That's been the talk of uh the mouth and and the MLB network and 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 um whomever else is is talking baseball is that they're they're hell-bent on Shotani leaving the Angels, but the Angels still can outbid anybody for them. It's not like the Angels are a poverty franchise. The Angels sign a big-name free agent literally every offseason. It's just not hasn't worked out. And now they can say to themselves, you know what? This Rendon thing's not working. We can go ahead and get rid of that contract at some point. Because they got options to where they can outbid anybody for them. And people say, how, how can I do that? I think that they would be willing to get rid of Mike Trout this offseason, if if need be, to keep Shohei Otani, if they have to. So they know the value and the asset that they do have. He's a generational player, and generational players just don't walk off. You're not going to just let them walk off without a fight. And I feel like the Angels are fighting for the right to be at the negotiation table with Shotani at the end of the day. And that's exactly what you needed to do if you really want to show the guy that you're willing to to win to win and make him the highest paid player in all of uh, baseball as well, too. But 
Also, you already have him as the most uh, as the best ball player with the biggest spotlight. And honestly, it it probably wouldn't be as hype for us if say he was doing this in somewhere like uh, Pittsburgh. It would just be a good little story in Pittsburgh. But he's doing it in Anaheim, which shares the Southern California market, which pretty much is the L.A. market. And that's why the, the, the story is bigger. It's really the biggest story in sports, but, that it, it, but it's not 1992. But if it was, it would be the biggest story in sports because baseball was king at that time. And I think that it is the best story in, 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 in sports, and it's probably the best storyline to follow as well, too. Because now what this did was it said to the Angels and to their fan base is that, hey, we want to win. We're not here just to show up and make sure you guys can come out and eat some Hooters at the stadium. We want to relive 2002 all over again. That was a special moment for uh, California Angels fans. I'm going to say their original name too, Mike, because let's just go face it. California Angels, that's who they are. You know, all this it's LA. A, it's all about when you see California Angels, I'm thinking Reggie Jackson. Right. I'm thinking that, that commercial for Wiener Central he used to do without the kid. We're not just a hot dog anymore. Reggie Jackson, Wiener Central commercial. Never forget that. Right, and I'm I'm thinking about Leslie Nielsen, Top Gun. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You know, and so, you know, pretty much the Angels, man, they want to be great. They want to be just as good as the Dodgers. They want to be right up. They want to be shoulder to shoulder with the Dodgers. And it's been a while. And when the Angels are a, a good team, they can be shoulder to shoulder with the Dodgers. You know what I mean? I've seen it. I've seen it, Mike. But their fans lost passion uh, once they figured out they couldn't get any win, any great greatness out of the great Albert Pujols. And then Josh Hamilton, who was seen as the best hitter in baseball when they picked him up. It's been a sad situation there. They brought in Thor. Thor didn't work out. It's like it's just it's an ongoing process with this team. And you just know that they need a guy like Otani, a face, to keep things the way that to keep them moving forward because they can't trust Mike Trout. Mike Trout is 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 uh Casey at the back. That's who he is to me now. Great, great talent. But you just can't stay healthy. That's the whole thing. And when I need you most, you're not there. Casey at the bat. Casey at the bat. And um, it's just the Angels are, are, to me, I thought it was ballsy, and I think that's what you have to be at this point of the year in baseball. Okay. Here's the thing. Even with Lucas Giolito, they ain't gonna win the World Series this year. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm so World Series. No, I know, I know, I know, I know. You never said that, but I'm just saying, like, okay. So the Angels, they know that they're not gonna win the World Series this year. They're not guaranteed to make the playoffs this year. 
So I think what this move is really about is a message to Shohei Otani that we're going to continue. We're not sitting on our laurels. We're going to continue to try to get better. We're going to pick up pieces. Please stay here. We're going to pay you, and we're going to field a winner here. Just stick with the program. I think that was the message that was being sent today. What would have been the alternative? The alternative would have been to trade him. But here's the thing when, when you when you trade somebody like that. When's the last time that you traded a superstar for prospects and the prospects were just as good as a superstar? Like, Mookie Betts for Verdugo really is who the prospect was. Big Dodger prospect, Verdugo. That actually turned out pretty well relative to a lot of these trades. A lot of times, the guy just never pans out. And I think sometimes teams forget about that. Oh, we got their number seven prospect in the farm system. We got their 11th, their 23rd, and their 35th. Okay, well, what's the chances that any one of those is going to become a all-star? That any one of those is going to be one of the best players in the league? How good does a player have to be to justify how, – how good does a prospect have to be to justify trading away your best player or the best player in the league? Maybe the best player ever. What I'm trying to say, Pop, is – you're never going to get equal value, not even close. So in my opinion, stick with him, keep winning, keep striving to win. And at the very least, you're going to have a very entertaining team with him and Mike Trout for a few more years. You're going to be on TV a whole lot more. You're going to be in the news a whole lot more. And you're going to be involved with historic moments a whole lot more. So I think it's the right move to keep him. Go ahead, Pop. Yeah, I'm here. I'm 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 here. What? I didn't do uh-huh. I, did I do something wrong? No, no, I thought you were gonna jump in. I was, I was saying go ahead. Oh, oh, oh. Nah, because I'm over here kind of I'm 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 with you on everything you just said, but I just love the fact that this nine to one just got home. Uh, there you go. This you're focused on the important stuff, man. Yeah, this also eligible um, got in. No, I was still listening to you, but the horse made a beautiful move and did what it had to do, and so you know it's always good to see that. But um, yeah, um, Shohei, I feel like is is such a special player that. You had to do this. You had you couldn't just give them away to somebody because when they started throwing out the teams that were on them, it was like, no, these aren't fits, and you don't have the assets that are really going to help the Angels farm system. You know what I mean? And no, that they, some of the deals I just looked at, it was just no. You know what I mean? And Shohei is not going to sign back with this team. He's not going to do anything with this team. So you, I still really feel like the Angels. Another reason why he didn't get moved because the Angels couldn't find a deal that fit. 
it period point blank, and they refused to send him to the Dodgers. The Dodgers were the only trade to make because the Dodgers had the prospects. It's that simple. And the Dodgers could have threw in other players as well, too. You know what I mean? That are already on the roster. So I feel like the Dodgers are in position to bring in a big name pitcher over the weekend, to be honest with you. Now, they keep talking about Nolan Ariando could possibly be an option, but what you have to give up for that is going to be about six, seven players, and I don't know if the Dodgers are willing to do that. Ariando has already said that he's willing to go ahead and void out his no-trade clause to go to Los Angeles. I say that if you were to do a deal like this, the Dodgers got to definitely win the World Series. You have to you have to put yourself in position to win the World Series. So you will possibly have to make the same trade that you made with Boston a decade ago. Um, well, the, you know, similar to the two trades you made with Boston and the trade that you made with the Nats. And those did not work for the Dodgers at the end of the day. Those were trades that really kind of uh, made them have to really reassess what was going on in the farm. And just luckily enough, the Dodgers have great instructors. That's why the farm doesn't really miss a beat. But they don't want to keep having to go over the process again. So I don't know if the Cardinals have those type of um, – I don't know if they want to do a deal like that with the Cardinals because you could be helping the Cardinals put together a super team for later, and the Dodgers are trying to keep that cap that cap space, that, that, that tax rate a little low, uh, under that $10 million threshold as well, too. People have to understand the Dodgers really cut a lot of uh, budget this year because they want to make sure that they weren't having to pay the penalty. Yeah, they don't want to uh, suffer the consequences of uh, the luxury tax, that's for sure. You know, right. let, me ask you, let me ask you a quick question before we go to the break. Right. Do you think Justin Turner... At his peak, was a really good player. Yep, but not anything that I'm going to be like, he's going to the Hall of Fame. No, he was a great okay. player. Now, okay, what if a prospect turns out to be a Justin Turner? You'd be pretty happy, right? Yeah, but you know that. Yeah. that like at the end of the day, if, if I told you here's a prospect, he's the number nine rated prospect in the largest organization, he could be a dud. He could be something. But if he turned out to be Justin Turner, I think most people would be pretty happy. Guy's been right. in some all-star games. He's had some big hits. He's got some big seasons. So right. let me ask you this then. Would you trade Justin Turner for Shohei Otani? No. Hell no. But yeah, no. you'd be happy if a prospect turns out to be Justin Turner. You see what I'm getting at? So, like, it would turn out really well if a prospect turns out to be a starter in the major leagues who's hitting 300 and, and gets 25 home runs and 100 RBIs and has a career like Justin Turner. So if you think about it from that perspective, if that's most likely the best-case scenario, because you can't assume that somebody's going to be a Hall of Famer or an MVP, right? I think if you hope for a Justin Turner, that's – pretty good like for what you could expect out of a prospect so that's my only take on it is what are you expecting in return what does a prospect have to become 
in order to make the trade a win-win. And that's why I was saying, you know, uh, the equivalent of that, of the Justin Turner might be like a Verdugo. Right? That's what they got for, for, for Mookie Betts. I didn't think it was going to be a whole hell of a lot better than that. And I don't think the Red Sox did too. I don't think the Red Sox are thinking Verdugo is going to be the next Tony Gwynn. He's a nice player. I like him. I think he's had some big hits. He's an entertaining personality. You know, he's a guy that will probably make an all-star game or two before it's all said and done. You know, but he's definitely not the equivalent of Mookie Betts. So you just have to be realistic when you pursue these trades for the megastars. You know, you have to temper your expectations and really consider what are you hoping to get back in terms of a prospect? What kind of player do you hope you're going to get back? Pop, I'm hoping we can get back and have enough time to talk a little bit of AL East talk, NL West talk, etc. Stay with us, everyone. We'll try to carve out enough time to get through all the points. We'll be back right after this. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at TheMikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Final segment on the show today, Pop, and I wanted to save a little time to talk about some of these changes in the standings, mainly talking about the AL East, where for, what, 90% of the season so far, Tampa has been, actually more than 90%, because they got out of the gate 
like gangbusters and started off 13 and 2. Tampa has led the American League East. Baltimore laid the wood to that. They took three out of four last weekend. And all of a sudden, can't imagine this, but Tampa is now a game and a half back. Didn't expect that to happen in July, but here we are. Is, I'm not going to say is Tampa done, because that's ridiculous. But is Tampa still the favorite to win the division? Is Baltimore just on a hot streak, but it'll be then their turn to cool off, just like Tampa did? Well, you talking about the Rangers? <laughs> You're still watching Del Mar, aren't you, brother? Uh, man, I'm over here. You said the Rays, and we're thinking about who's going to have to fall off and things like that. Um, the Rays. No, just the, the Orioles. The Orioles toppled the Rays for the first time. Like the Rays that had the division lead all this time. You keep saying they toppled them, but they got the same. They got the same amount of wins. They both have sixty-two wins. It's just a, a matter of losses. So they. Yeah, but Tampa was dominant for a long time, though, Pop. I know they thirteen and zero to sixty two and forty three. So when you look at it now, they're forty nine and uh what forty nine and forty three since that point. So when you look at Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay is in their position. They're a Midland team. I told you that when we did the preview, Mike. That okay, they're going to be good, but at what point do they do really good, and what point do they do really bad during the season? They they're not a team team that is is built to really have a hundred win type of season they're more built to win at best 90 some odd games and I felt like they did a lot of their winning in the first two months of the season and I kept telling everybody that and everybody no this team is something special there's something that I've never seen before and I said that watch when they start getting hurt and they got to start putting in these other guys that are just middling players and everything will start to make a little bit more sense. And when they started losing pitchers, I was like, okay, we're starting to have a little bit of a problem. And then when guys like Diaz, they started struggling, I was like, they're start, they're going to start having some problems. And so with how tough the AL East is, they just set the table on how good the division was going to be all season. And what happens here is what's getting crazier and crazier for me to say see and say is that I feel like the Blue Jays are the ascending team at this point. Yes, the it's beautiful what the Orioles are doing, but the Orioles know that they that they, that they're here a little bit earlier than expected. So they right now aren't probably going to make a deal at the deadline, which they need to do because they need another established vet, probably a bat, but you don't want to mess up that chemistry. So what happens with them is is that they're in a position where they're kind of stuck. So you can't depend on them to actually win this division. That's why I keep saying everybody has to look out for the Blue Jays. But your Red Sox, they seem to have something up the sleeve as well, too. And I keep saying the Red Sox and Yankees are like two grand stakes horses. They're ready for their one big run down the stretch. And I'm telling you right now, the East is at a blanket fi finish right now. It's like, okay, 
we're running a, a mile and a half race, and the race came got out to a 10 length lead because everybody knows that this is not a sprint, it's a marathon, it's a distance race. So let them go up and get tired. Now we're going around the corner, Mike, and everybody's catching up, and they're getting tired, sucking wind, and here come the shadows. And you don't know who's going to get this division at the end of the day, but you do know one thing. They're getting through teams into the playoffs, and that's for sure. Well, here's the thing. You mentioned the Red Sox, and I'm really going to try not to be a homer here, but this is just fact. They have the best offense in the division. If they get any amount of pitching, they're I mean, then one could say they're the best team in the division, right? So if I'm the Red Sox, it would have been nice to get Lucas Giolito, but it's not the end of the world. But if you get a bona fide starting pitcher, it'll almost be like getting two, Pop, because you're going to have Chris Sale coming back in a couple of weeks too. So it's almost like you're now going to have two more starters, legit starters in the rotation that you don't have right now. I think that could make them the team to beat come September. All they need to do is be within five games come September. They're within five games. They got a shot at the division. And I think they can be within five games. They're seven out right now. So that means every two weeks, they have to make up a game in the standings. It's doable. Yes, it is. You know. Divisional games coming up too. Right. Now, as far as the Yankees, Here's the thing. We know what they have with their pitching staff. Their pitching staff isn't going to get any better. It's not going to get any worse. So really what we're saying is the Aaron Judge is going to make the difference. And I think that's legitimate. I think it, I think the Yankees' offense lives and dies by Judge's back. I think he carries that offense. I think that Stanton's better when Judge is in the lineup. I think that their offensive strategy – is more sound when judges in the lineup. I think that people don't have to press when judges in the lineup. I still think that the Yankees are not going to be – how do I put it? I don't think that they're a big threat. I just don't. There's nothing about them that's wowed me so far. Kind of is a one-man team. You know, it's one-man team on offense, one-man team on pitching. It's all Cole and Judge. Right, right, and that shouldn't be the Yankees. The Yankees have to have a murderer's row and a killer pitching staff, and you don't have any of that this year. You got to overpay Carlos Rendon, who's not doing much. Cervino had a really good moment with, you know, with the perfect game and everything like that, or was that Domingo? That was Herman Domingo. Yeah, it doesn't matter because they're both kind of the same pitcher as is. Clark Schmidt – Lousy, you know, uh, it, it just the list goes on with them. And Bruto, Brito never played up to the potential that he had. Now, the race between the Reds and and the Brewers is is to me really got spicy today with them acquiring Carlos Santana. I think the Brewers know that they have the Reds right where they want them at after beating them the last two out of three in this uh, last series. And they know that they need to get Carlos Santana to 
put them over the top here at the end because they really don't have any more games left with the Reds. I think they got three more games left with the Reds for the rest of the season, and that's it. And um, they have that in position, um, and that race is going to get really extreme. And it looks like Minnesota is starting to kind of um, separate a little bit. And like I keep saying, Minnesota's really a – Big monster is really a, a sneaky deal away from being the scariest team in the AL. It doesn't matter what their record's going to be when they get in there. Because why do you say that? Because they're pitching? Nobody's better than them. Because their pitching sucks. Yeah, playoff wise, for the, uh, playoff wise to me, other than Houston. You know what I mean? And the Rangers are the biggest reason why the Angels are confident right now because. Let's keep it real. The injuries are starting to uh, pile up. Corey Seager's out for 10 games. Really, just say for the next month. That's really what it is because I know Corey Seager. So that's why the Angels are so hell-bent on not getting rid of people because they feel like they're going to catch the, the Rangers. They don't believe in the Rangers winning this division. They know that it's just a matter of time before the Astros catch it. So, you know, that's how I'm looking at that. And then you got the Dodgers holding off the good old Giants and the Diamondbacks, but the Diamondbacks are falling apart. They're not even going to make a deal at the deadline. They're just going to kind of go. They're another team that kind of got here a little bit quicker than they needed to, but they're still in position to make the playoffs. That's what makes the West a really great division this year is that the division is really good, so you're still able to get three teams in just like the AL Leafs. No doubt about it. And you know what makes this show good? Pop DiBiase. Oh, man. Pop, we got show. <laughs> we got to wrap the show, my man. But there's so much more that I want to get into about the NL West division because it's really, really intriguing. You know, the Giants surging, the Diamondbacks dipping, the Dodgers being the Dodgers. Very curious to see what the, what's going to happen for the Dodgers at the trade deadline. What's the, their strategy going to be? This team always wants to win. And they always want to win now. And when you got Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts, I think you can win now. It'll be interesting to see if Walker Buehler is able to come back, and you know, at least for the playoff push. We'll see about that. But man, that's what makes beautiful, baseball beautiful, man. As you start heading into August, to see what trades, what who's going to fold, who's going to throw in the towel, who's going to surge. Buckle up, my friend. It's going to be a lot of fun. Pop, that's all the time we have for today's show. I want to thank Voice America. I want to thank the entire Voice America team. I want to thank Pop DiBiase, of course, for being my wingman. And most of all, thank you to the listener. Without you, there is no show. We will see you all same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.